This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. That's right, it's back previously on Lost episode number 13. This is part of your Lost universe, and we have a special episode. And this is an audio podcast, so you can't see really the air quotes, but this episode title is called Special. And I'm looking forward to digging in this one uh, and looking to see what we have going on in the life of our Losties on the island. But I cannot do this myself, but I am Mike, and it's been great to, 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 to be back on the podcast with... The one, the only, Corey. How's it going? Oh, man. It's going very well. Happy to be back. Ready to talk some more Lost. That's right. That's right. And uh, we have with us as well the only, the ever-talented Steven. What's going on? Uh, Not a whole lot. Just excited to talk about how horrible Susan Porter is. I can't wait. How horrible Susan Porter. Wow. Wow. The main villain of the show, really. It's okay, guys. We all know the truth. It's Brian Porter. We got it. We got it. Uh, all right. Well, there are no network announcements. We do encourage you to go to RetroZap.com and uh, check out all of our other shows that we have here on the network. But and other than that, let's go ahead and get on in the episode. So what happened last time on Lost, Stephen? All right. Previously on Lost, Charlie helps Claire to her feet after she experiences false labor in the jungle. They're approached by Ethan Rom, who stares at them menacingly. Saeed returns from <laughs> Saeed returns from his trek across the island and warns Jack that the survivors are not alone. Jack and Locke track Ethan across the island, but only find Charlie hung from a tree. Charlie tells Jack that all they wanted was Claire. Now that was after Jack beat him in the chest like seventy-five times. Yeah. <laughs> he finally woke up. I think it was That's 23, what? actually, 20, right? 20, 23, 23, okay, okay. <laughs> thank, thank goodness he didn't listen to, to Kate, or else Charlie, Charlie we wouldn't be having this. We would have lost Charlie. <laughs> oh. All right, so tell us a little bit about the episode itself for this right. one. Season 1, episode 14, it, it debuted on January 19th, 2005, directed by Greg Yatanes and written by David Fury. Uh, Michael becomes extremely angry and jealous at Walt's friendship with Locke, leading to tension between father and son. Michael also decides that he needs to get his son off the island and proposes constructing a raft. Flashbacks in this episode center around Michael and Walt's first meeting after eight years without seeing each other. Mm, a lot of interesting things we're going to see in this episode, for sure. Uh, just some facts about it before we actually start discussing the episode. Uh, there's not a lot, but this episode features the first mention of Egypt and Lost. We'll get Egypt a couple more times in this episode in this show. Uh, but Walt suggests he should be studying the birds of Egypt rather than the birds of Australia. Uh, and this is the only explicit Walt-centric episode. So, which is yeah. which is interesting because. Either the first half is is a Michael centric episode, but you know all the flashbacks, you know, are mainly 
Michael because Michael is a I mean uh, Walt is like a, a toddler or a little baby um, but you know it He's it still, still is centered around Walt's story yeah oh yeah uh, well let's go ahead and just discuss this episode we are we're kind of going really quickly but there's not a lot of preliminaries to talk about as far as episode could but we, we will talk about this episode in, in, in itself but so four to eight episode moments um, that we kind of had and, and I'm just going to kick things off with this one here that I noticed in the episode so this sounds kind of funny but the tournament for the last sticks of deodorant on the island they're going to do a golf tournament for the last sticks of deodorant and it seems like such a funny throwaway line um, but just imagine you're, you've been on the island for almost a month now and and people are eventually running out of deodorant and people ain't smelling the breath they're the best uh but i almost think this is the last stay and signal of civilization and normalcy on the island with our losses before things time uh will tend to get weird and really get going in the show so yeah i think we're it's transitioning at this point to you know losing that normalcy you know, I think that transition kind of started a few episodes ago once we saw like the the capturing of Claire and the and Ethan and and Sy- you know we've kind of been on this little transition to like lost as we knew it in the first 10 episodes to what lost will become for the rest of the series yeah absolutely any, any other thoughts about one, golf tournament for and Stephen. Honestly, one thing I noticed that um, on rewatch, like I, I tended to think back in the day there was just a golf episode, and then they kind of dropped the golf thing. But I, I kind of forgot they they still kind of keep bringing it up, which is nice. You know, they didn't just kind of drop that story. I mean, it was a fun, enjoyable story. But I kind of like that they just keep interjecting little, little comments about that to to remind you. I, I did notice that too. Now you'll never get like a really heavy golf scene or anything anymore, and I think I don't think I remember hearing it much after season one. But yeah, that's uh, that that's kind of interesting. You'll get a little nods. So I don't know what happened to the golf course. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> who, knows? <laughs> well, who, who knows? Maybe maybe they lost all the all the golf balls and they were stuck now. Well, I, I have a question about the the deodorant sticks. Actually, kind of an exist, existential question for you guys. If you won the deodorant sticks. Or like, let's say there's one deodorant stick left. Do you use it for yourself, or do you give it to someone else? I mean, what it, would you rather like <laughs> give it to the smelliest person, or do you want to well, smell the best yourself? Well, all all I'm gonna say is, <laughs> listen, there there is a thing as chafing, so <laughs> I, I may I think, keep this deodorant stick. <laughs> I, I think it could also kind of depend on where you're at relationship-wise, you know. Saeed's still out there <laughs> trying to, to woo Shannon, you know. Someone in that situation may want to Maybe. keep it, where if you're an old married couple, you know, eh, you might you might trade it for something else. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, uh, or, or it would really stink if you lost, I mean, if you won that last stick of deodorant and you go to put it on and you realize that you're allergic to that stick of deodorant <laughs> and you're like, oh. <laughs> I have to say, gift. hey, I really just want to give you this one as a gift for me to you. I mean, that's how you play it off. <laughs> I have oh. to say that this whole talk of deodorant just gave me flashbacks to watching Juno like ten years ago, where uh, Michael Sarah puts the deodorant on the inside of his thighs. <laughs> like, 
just like one of the opening scenes of the movie one of just weird image (laughs) yeah i never saw that movie (laughs) oh uh but speaking of pregnant women oh wait no just kidding uh (laughs) claire's not in this episode actually so that was a bad uh transition well she kind of is (laughs) (laughs) kind of kind of uh what what do y'all got well, I think one of the most uh, intense moments of the episode comes at the very beginning. And I think we all have this written down here, but the dynamic or the the interaction between uh, Michael, Locke, and Boone. Uh, I mean, first of all, you have a great little mini scene where Walt is throwing the knife. And I think earlier, a couple episodes, Walt was throwing the knife with them and he was um, doing pretty well. And then he's yeah. doing it again in this episode. And I always liked that. It's just a kind of a cool scene. You have, uh, you have Boone over there and his, like, whatever, his poker shirt with the cards on it. <laughs> cut that's off. The, that's, like, the worst outfit he's had on this show. <laughs> I don't know, for some reason, I always remember that shirt. And then uh, they oh. throw in the knife. And then it's a pretty good uh, you know, dramatic moment there when, uh, um, you know, Michael comes up and, you know, I'm not a father, so I don't, I can't speak to this as well, but you guys are, I just want to know, I mean, where do you stand on like Michael's uh, reaction to this moment? I think he did it the wrong way. I mean, I, 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 his whole, his whole issue wasn't that Walt was throwing the knife. I think, I think he could have almost looked past that because I, he, he may not like Locke, but I know he trusts Locke with the stuff to a, to a point. But I think he was upset with the fact that Walt left and didn't say a thing to him. And with all the crazy stuff that's been going on on the island, you know, there's that moment of, of scared anger. Is that, where's my son? Where's my boy? And he's angry because he can't find him. And then he just expels that scaredness as anger toward his son and toward, toward you know, Locke and toward uh, uh, Boone. Because, you know, that, that's my boy. You know, he, he, he went missing. So... Yeah, yeah, I gotta say, I, I'm, I'm definitely kind of on Michael's side most of this episode. He definitely probably goes a little too far sometimes, but yeah, I said it a couple episodes ago. You know, just somebody handed my, you know, twelve-year-old son a, a knife like that. I, I would definitely have some issues. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely think Michael's reaction was a, you know, pretty understandable one. Um, okay. You know, maybe when he starts waving the knife around, um, probably went a little too far. But, but yeah, I, I don't blame Michael at all. Yeah, and then you had then you had Boone, who just kind of just just the always eager to please Locke, just jumps on Michael. Like, for it, it almost seems like that that was out of place to me. Every time he does it, it's like, wait, okay, I get get what he's doing, but it almost seems like it came out of nowhere. He just jumps down on top of Michael. Uh, and and you, know, you you speak of Boone in that shirt. Every time I see that shirt, I, I think of Joe Dirt because he's always wearing like, <laughs> oh this, like, this, like, this, like this really small shirt that he thinks is like the coolest <laughs> shirt in the world. This cut off sleeves. And that's exactly what I think of when I see this. I think of Joe Dirt. Oh, but yeah, I just I I I don't know. Well, I think this this whole episode kind of plays with our our. Uh, feelings of michael back and forth the whole time it's mm-hmm. like they try to make you you know get angry at him like oh man this guy he's he gets so you know fired up and he he flips out on his son a little bit but at the same time you know they they're playing 
the flashbacks to us and showing this other side to him. And then by the time they tell the whole story, you kind of understand where Michael is coming from. And you, you really get all of his frustration. It's not like this is, you know, a, a dad with this long history and, and then this established rapport with his son. It's like he's thrown into this. Um, so, I mean, it, it really makes you sympathize with Michael. But at the same time, I feel like they deliberately draw out some of these scenes with Locke to make you hate him. Like, so it's, it's a weird give and take. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Steven. Well, it's kind of tying it in with one little short scene at the beginning um, with her, when Hurley says to Jack, you know, he, he really hates it, doesn't he? Being a father. That one kind of, like, it kind of caught me off guard because, I mean, normally Hurley's kind of the, the voice of the audience, if you will, and normally you kind of find yourself on Hurley's side, but I find myself saying, wow, Hurley, that, that one was kind of harsh. Yeah, that was uh, kind of brutal. It, 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 it was brutal, but I also I also understand where he's coming from when he sees it because the way Michael portrays himself on the show toward Walt, it's almost as if Walt is more of a of a responsibility or a or an issue he has to deal with rather than a son. He's almost like, okay, here's my carry on luggage rather than my son. He's not he's not treating him like like a son. You know, Locke even brought up the point. He said he said it's because you're still treating him like a boy. You know, that's why. And Michael's response is he's only ten years old. Yeah, he's ten years old, but he you know, at ten years old, most boys are starting to, to want to be that young man now. They're wanting to try they're wanting to try to be older than they are. So Walt is experimenting and Michael's problem is Michael just doesn't know how to parent. Because he's he hasn't he had been around Walt. He doesn't know how to connect with with, with with Walt. And the one moment he does when Walt is reading the the French comic book, he says, Well, you know, I, I used to draw stuff like that too. Walt just says like completely blows him off, just ignores him. And that's what gets Michael even even more mad, and that's when he takes the comic book. Yeah, you can tell that's really frustrating for him, and you know I, I feel for him because I mean I don't know what it's like to be a parent, but I'm sure that you know it's never how you see it in like a movie or whatever. You have it's it's a struggle, and uh, um, <laughs> the writers really like to to make Michael suffer and struggle. <laughs> And yeah. uh, show us every moment of it. I, I think when you mentioned the confrontation at Locke, I think the biggest confrontation, the worst one out of those ones, was not the first one, but when, uh, when Michael decides to build the raft and he's got Walt out there helping him, and and he thinks what punishment with your old man and then Walt sees Boone and Locke heading back into the jungle to the caves and Walt lies and follows them and then he goes back into the caves and Walt's hanging around with Locke and Locke is trying to do the right thing he said listen I'm trying to respect your dad's wishes don't you know we, we can you you are not to come back around me anymore and without even giving Locke a chance to explain uh, Michael just comes in and just land blasts Locke and Boone's just hanging out by by the by the water at the time. He just land blasts Locke, and he just kind of reaches, leans over, and he says, "If I catch you around me or my boy again, I'll kill you." I mean, just I mean, takes well, it to the next level. 
I, I think what makes that scene so good is that we as the audience have more information than any of the characters. Like, we know that Locke is trying to do the right thing, so you sympathize with Locke, but then you also know that Michael doesn't know that, so you can see why Michael is upset, even though, yeah, the, the threatening to kill him is definitely going too far. Um, but really, like, multiple times in this episode, the adults do kind of do the right thing where, you know, Locke could have just said, you know, hey, I, I didn't ask him to come here, you know, but it's, he doesn't throw Walt under the bus where he could have, so he kind of takes the, the beating from Michael, you know, in order to protect Walt, which you'll kind of see Mike, Michael does the same thing later on in the episode, you know, with not telling the truth about Brian, so... Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't I think that, that was, was kind of interesting. I thought I was going to say the same thing. I thought that was a, a subtle moment there that is is a kind of a cool moment where Locke could just say, "Hey, your boy just walked up to me. I was just filling my water here and he, and and blame it on Walt, but he doesn't. He doesn't. He lets Michael yell at him instead of yelling at Walt. I mean, he's you know, it, there is this tension between these two characters, but you know, Locke wants Walt and Michael to get along. He wants them to bond. At least I, I think he does. And and it's you know it feels like you know Michael thinks the block is getting in the way, but that's not really the case. And I mean, it kind of goes all the way back to that scene at the be- towards the beginning of the series where Locke finds Vincent and has Michael go give Vincent back to Walt. I mean, so Locke's kind of you know been trying to do the right thing as far as these two characters go all along. So do, do you think it's really... Do you think it's really Locke uh, has an issue or trying to do right, or you think it's Michael's problem is that he he feels like Locke is, keeps butting into his him and his son's issues instead of letting them deal them, you know, work them out. But sometimes you need that outside meteor. But maybe Michael doesn't feel like he, he wants that. He just wants to do it himself. I think that Locke, I mean, sorry, I think that Michael has a lot of frustration and Locke is uh, an outlet. Locke is a representation of the blame for that. And he's someone he can kind of take his anger out on. But it's but it's not really Locke that he's mad at. Well, maybe Michael's been hurt in the past with the whole thing with, with Brian Porter. Since we're talking about, you know, Michael Walt pretty much takes up, like, I think a majority of all of our moments here. Um, but like, so let's talk about Brian Porter. So we, we get this thing where Michael, where Susan, uh, Michael's girlfriend, you know, they're, they're happy. You see this happy couple in this baby store. And then, and then you, the next thing you see is she has an internship over in Amsterdam for, for, you know, some kind of law for law firm. And then the next thing you, you see is Michael in the flashbacks is on the phone trying to you know he wants to see Walt and he says you know what I'm coming over there to see my son and he steps out in the middle street and he gets hit and if I read the timetable correctly he was in hospital for like two to three months you know because Susan says she says you know when I haven't heard anything from you in two months I contacted so and so and found out you were here and then his first question is did you bring Walt you know he, he's always thinking of his son he loves his son even though he hasn't seen the son in eight years and oh man, that was that was so brutal that that she comes to visit and doesn't bring Walt with her. Absolutely. That, oh man, that 
that I remember that angering me so much the first time I watched it and, and every time I've seen this episode. And then she just kind of manipulates him when she's pushing him down the hallway and says that, you know, Brian wants to adopt Walt and we want to get married and we just need you to kind of sign off on it. Now, she does make a good point. You know, she is steady. She has a steady job and uh, an income and, and all these other kind of things. What is best for Walt would be it would have maybe been with her. Now, to him to sign over all his rights, I can understand. You know, he has some issues with that because, you know, it's still his kid. And then at the end of the, the end of the episode, you find out it wasn't that Brian wanted to adopt Walt. It was Walt was the tag along. He never Brian never wanted to have kids, and the only way to get Susan to marry him was to adopt Walt and get custody of him. So I almost think that's could be why Michael is so upset when any when other guys are getting into his you know into his business because he's finally got Walt back and he doesn't want somebody like a Brian coming in and taking that again from him yeah i think there's there's some really interesting themes um in this episode about um kind of trying to rewrite reality and change you know the truth of what you know is you know of your situation and you know like susan wants to kind of erase uh michael from walt's you know life and just make it one happy family and brian's the dad and that's that um you know it would be challenging to have your dad live across the other side of the world but yeah. you know I mean, that's just the reality of their situation it would have been better off for both of them if they would have not tried to you know mess around with that and then on the island you know michael wants to you know kind of erase this bond between Locke and and walt and just have kind of walt all to himself but I mean, the two have bonded. Your son likes this guy. Yeah. Um, you know, they're friends. They're they're all stuck together living. It's not like they can move move to the other side of the neighborhood or whatever. Or hey, don't hang out with that lock guy. I mean, they live in the same encampment. So you kind of have to just accept the reality of that situation and try to make the best of it. <laughs> not that lock is some sort of weird. <laughs> stepfather well, in this well, Mike, Michael, even, Michael even says it I mean I love that line that uh, you know if we if we weren't here I'd, I'd call the cops on you <laughs> he's like but I, I don't have a choice here you know but I mean, that, that's really kind of a true statement when you think about it like you know nothing you can do you're, you're stuck together on an island yeah yeah there's there's you're going to eventually pass each other regardless. So it's almost like the Michael says, when we pass, don't even look at me. Just, just keep on going. So it, 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 I do think it's funny that his anger shifted from Jen to Walt. I mean, I mean to, 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 to Locke in this episode. So, I mean, in this series so far. Yeah. Michael does always seem like he's in an argument with somebody. But speaking of Michael being in an argument, I actually think one of the best moments of this episode, um, and a really uh, you know, I wrote wrote down in my notes here. Um, this is one of the major plot points of the whole first season. Is when um, you know Michael had just had this conversation with Son, I believe, and then he goes over, and you have Saeed and Jack and this whole group sitting around the map, and they're talking about trying to find this place or that place, or you know, they're plotting something about discovering more about the island. And Michael's like, "What the heck are you guys doing?" 
we're wasting our time with this water filtration, this, that, whatever it is. We just need to get the heck off this island right now. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to make a raft. Like, we need to get off here. This is stupid. And I think it's it's one of the major plot points. If you look at the whole season as like one movie of, of the whole season, because this is what kind of moves the momentum, um, at least for a significant chunk of of the characters in one direction. And it logically makes sense. Like somebody has to try to escape. You can't just have you right. know, them living happily, you know, happily, but living on this island and not doing anything about it. And go ahead. The uh, the kind of ironic part about that is Michael's arguments that uh, you know what are we building water filtration systems? Well, the water filtration system was his idea, his project, and then playing golf. <laughs> he was like one of the first ones involved in golf. Yeah, like so he was you know it's not like he's been arguing against these things the whole time but it's true yeah i mean he just his whole outlook changed i mean when he was sitting there just watching his son sleep thinking about his life and talking to son and you know i, I it, it, it I, made sense it made to me it tracked as a father something that could happen you know you're just sitting there thinking oh my god what am i doing my son's growing up here on this island I, I gotta fix this. I, I, I do think it's funny. I did like Saeed's comment when he said, you know, when, when, when Michael said, let's build a raft. Saeed's like, a raft. Almost like, are you, are you, like, like that's your big idea is, is a raft, buddy. And it's like, go, it's almost like, okay, go, go back over to the, to the kids' table for, you know, for, 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 for Thanksgiving meal, man. <laughs> so it's just, it's, it was a good idea, and it because the raft, like you said, becomes a major plot point in the first season, and uh, and we're we're gonna hear talk of the raft like the, you know, spoiler the whole season. You're gonna hear about the raft. It's just gonna happen. And uh, I just think you know Michael has all this frustration through a lot of um, this season, and he finally fi- he finally finds a good outlet for it. He he's built up all this frustration, and here's something he can do with it. You know, instead of just being angry at a situation, he's like, all right, let's build a raft. Let's do something about this. Let's get out of here. And uh, I think that, you know, of course, you know, they had to pick a character to really want to to be, you know, the captain of this uh, project. And I think <laughs> he's the one that makes the most sense. And he is that, you know, visceral, uh, real uh, emotion and, and motivation to do it. Anybody else got any? Uh, I I mean I got a couple more things, but uh, but what about what about you guys, uh, Stephen? What do you have on your list? Well, um, the the search for Claire's diary is kind of a, a side plot of this story. <laughs> um, provided a little levity. I, I love that scene with uh, when Kate and Charlie go try to get it from Sawyer and yeah. <laughs> like yelling at the tent. <laughs> And he just sits, and he's sitting all the way on the other side of the sand. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, oh. that, you know, he, he's like, oh, so what? You assume it was me, but it was him. They they were absolutely correct. But I, I love even the, the fight between him and Charlie. You know, Charlie punches him right in his wound. I mean, good good plan. <laughs> and then he gets hit back, and Charlie kind of takes it like a champ. You don't expect Charlie to take a punch so well, you know, because it, Sawyer's it, it, about it, twice his size. 
Yeah, and he looks at him and says, you know, in, in a way, you hit like, you know... You, I forget you what like word he used, but yeah, some British word <laughs> uh, making fun ponce. of him. Yeah. Ponce, ponce, ponce. <laughs> you hit like a ponce, buddy. <laughs> like, yeah. No clue what that meant, but it made sense coming from Charlie. That's right. And then Claire, and not Claire, but, but and then Kate just kind of looks at Sawyer and says, you really didn't read it, did you? <laughs> He's like, I, I just didn't get around to it. Around to it, you know. Literature's kind of it's kind of scarce on the island. It, it is funny how just Sawyer's need to read is just an on an ongoing thread throughout this whole show. I mean, what 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 would our generation do now? The the binging generation do if we ended up on this island and we could not binge TV anymore? We wouldn't know what to do with ourselves. <laughs> Oh, but, but yeah, it almost seems like most of the episode moments, though, outside of that one, really so centered around Michael and Walt, Michael and Walt and Locke, Michael, Walt and Locke. Well, then the the, um, the diary um, plot line does kind of lead into, uh, I don't know if it's a discovery or what we would call it, but uh, the, the Black Rock, the, we start talking about the Black Rock. Yeah. I think this is a is a cool tease. You know, we don't know what the Black Rock means, but it's something that's come up in the map, and it's in her dream in this in this diary. And it's just it's a cool little thread. You know, this whole episode where we have our mind, you know, focused on this Michael and Walt stuff, and it it's a good way of bringing the focus back to not only Claire being missing, but also tying in. Oh yeah, remember the stuff that. Saeed was doing way you know way earlier in the season that we you know have kind of forgotten about a little bit so it's, it's a good job of kind of balancing um you know the different you know major threads throughout the season that right. are going to continue I, I did like how charlie wasn't sure if he wanted to if he wanted to read the diary or not he kept <laughs> like putting it in bags and pushing the bag away and he's like, i'm gonna read it. no i'm not going to i'm gonna read it. no i'm not going to and i don't know about you i, yeah, I really like little... didn't think he was gonna read it and then he did yeah, they have like a little, it's almost like a Charlie Chaplin uh, scene there, you know, where yep. he's, you know, opening it, closing it, you know, putting it in the bag, taking it out. <laughs> it's a unique, unique little scene for Lost. It's, it's different. It's funny. And on top of that, I think one of my favorite moments um, was at the end when he's reading the diary, which there's some interesting little stuff in there if you pause it. But, of course, the best part is where you see... He's reading. It says Charlie makes me feel safe. Um, you know, and you know the smile yeah. that Charlie has after that. But I'm pretty sure there's a list, and I wish I would have wrote this down. There's like a list, and it says has like all these items, and it, it's like all the stuff that uh, Sawyer is hoarding. It's like jerky, that magazines, this, that, shampoo, and at the bottom it says I hate him. You know, she's just like saying this is all the stuff Sawyer has. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, that's funny. Oh, anything else is before the end of the episode itself, where we get it, we where we get a big kind of a, a twist to kind of reveal there. Well, I well, I'd say. Go ahead. Um, we're probably going to bring up the same scene, but I think one of the best scenes of the episode is is the flashback of Walt. You know, where we meet Brian Porter, and it there's a look. There's so much going on in this scene. Um, Susan and Brian are talking, and you can tell they're talking about something serious, and it's about Susan's health, 
and Walt is trying to get their attention. He's trying to talk to them. He's got the, the book about birds and they're ignoring him and he's getting angry and he's like, look over here or something like that. And he keeps yelling it and they, they don't, um, oh, you're not looking. That's what he says. You're not looking. You're not looking. And then the bird crashes into the window and dies and they go look at the bird and it's the <laughs> same bird that's in the book. Yep. In the top left corner. Is where it was. Is the bird in the top left corner of the yeah. book? And it, yeah, go ahead. No, you 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 just you you learn that something something's different with this kid enough that it scares Brian too. So that when so that when Susan does die, he goes he goes all the way back over to what New York City and says, "You have here here here's a round trip ticket and a one way ticket and and travel expenses. You got to come get this kid." And then Michael Michael calls him out for it. He said, "You just didn't even want the kid." And and he's and then finally he got out of him. He said, "Not yet. He's he's different. <laughs> he's 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 special." Yeah, I actually, I actually think these are some of the more powerful scenes of the the episode, and it's really heart wrenching when when you know this guy wants to ditch Walt, and Michael, who wanted to be his dad, didn't have the opportunity, and now he's being thrown back into the mold, and he's like, "I, you know, I, I wanted to leave this ten years ago," and. And it's it's just rough, um, and you know we also have that just this classic lost planting the seed of like this weird scene with the bird, and we don't know what the heck it means, and it's so unclear. It's like all right, you guys just process this, and why don't you guys theorize about this for weeks and weeks? One thing one thing I thought was kind of interesting too was earlier in this episode when Locke said that uh, Wall is different. And you could you could tell on Michael's face when he said that, like he really just you know took him aback for a second. And then when you see this scene later, you realize that that wasn't very long ago that uh, Brian Porter said the same thing about us. So this is you know two people telling you your son is different. And, you know that's really kind of you I'm know. To listen. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I think we both, or I think we all like those scenes in, in the scene where where Michael shows up and he says, you know, I'm, I'm your dad. I'm going to take you with me. I mean, that's a rough scene, too. You know, Walt says, like, I'm not going anywhere with you. Um, well, it's, it's one of those things, though, I think that shows that even though Michael hasn't been there, you know, his whole life, that he still, he still has his... In, his instincts as a father. I mean, he is spot on there that he can't tell this kid that, even though it would help, you know, it would help his kid, you know, accept him more, but it would just crush him knowing that this other guy didn't want him. So his parental instincts were right not to not to give Walt that information. Yeah. And I... And, he, you know, even on the island when he's trying to talk to him about... Um, artwork like Michael's got some good parenting instincts here even though he's you know missed out on eight years of Walt's life I think uh, he's he's definitely still his father yeah he's trying yeah I would say um, to further defend Michael um, he's thrown into parenting in the highest stress situation is you know pretty much possible uh, you crash land on an island and all right learn to be a parent <laughs> so it's not luck, easy 
Oh. Yeah. I, I it, it was it, it was good. It was good. Um, Steven, did you have something? I I just there just repeatedly was pointed out this episode how I, Susan Porter is to me the worst character in the history of TV, film, books, anything. She is okay, awful. Explain. Exp- <laughs> you, you, you have to explain this because I can think of some pretty awful people in television too. <laughs> I mean, just at every scene other than maybe the first one, and even even in the first one, you get a little a little tease when uh, you know she says about her last name, and then Michael says, "So really, it's not that you don't believe in marriage, you know, it's just that you wanted his last name." So you even learn there that she's already kind of kind of hesitating. On, on Michael there says she doesn't believe in marriage and then later she gets married uh, she take she takes Walt you know out of the country she uses her you know legal knowledge to you know just really mess with Michael's mind um, you know she she kind of knows that that she can manipulate him and you know convince him not to stop her um, then uh, then she comes back. And pays for his medical bills, but you know, then she drops the bomb that uh, you know she wants Brian to adopt him. So that you know, and you, then you know that's why she's paying for his medical bills just to get him to agree to that. Um, then we find out later that Brian didn't even want to. Not only did Susan convince Michael to let Brian adopt him, but Brian didn't even want to do it in the first place. That was it was all her just trying to get Michael out of her life and in. And then you find that she hid all the letters Michael wrote to him. And then, and on top of that, when she did come visit Michael, she didn't even bring Walt with her. I mean, just thing after that, Susan is the worst. You know, you, you, yeah. you think for a second Michael is the worst, or, or uh, not Michael, that you think Brian's the worst when he comes to give back Walt, and then you realize that it was, you know, it was Susan that created that whole thing anyway. I mean, oh, she's she's awful. And And I think that, you're you're 100 right and you know the part that's kind of a shame is that there's no real way to defend her because the writers they don't i you know i know they're trying to make michael look sympathetic here but there's no scene that really gives her an opportunity to be redeemed in in almost i mean i guess you could say you know she provided a life for walt a good life but um and I think it's just the way the show, you know, this show is is written in this episode. Each beat for her, each each moment for her, is just delivering some sort of crushing message to Michael. And you know, it usually is always framed as her being, you know, just a mean person to him and and making things hard on him. And you know, you know, so the way she's presented, she is horrible. You know, I think in reality, you know, there should probably could have been more depth to this character if they wanted to add more depth to her because it, it just it's weird you know it's just she's that's all she does is, is say uh crappy stuff to michael yeah she she was the manipulator of the entire episode not 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 anybody else that we saw for sure um but she almost made it out to be like brian was a manipulator not not her so that was that was uh, that that was that was that was interesting. And, and just to point it out, both her and Brian are lawyers, so you know there's a little bit of a stereotype there. 
Those, lo- yeah. those lawyers are pretty slimy, right? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Slick hair and all. Oh, no, um... Yeah, there there was a lot with the whole Michael and um, and well, of course we had a, we had a little interaction with Shannon and Boone. Um, I saw one of y'all had that on there. I can't remember who it was. Had a little interaction with that one. Yeah, I, I just thought it was kind of a good follow up to the um, to the whole hallucination dream that that Locke had, the whole trick that Locke had played on Boone. We now you know get a little carryover from that. It it worked. You know, Boone is free from. Uh, the you know he no longer feels the uh the need to be by Shannon's side and uh, arrange his life around her he has uh moved on to being Locke's you know number two okay uh anything else yeah my my last note is that the the polar bear scene I, you know just it never really did all that much for me I think I like that they bring the polar bear back in for something and that, uh, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. We, you know, they, they don't, we don't just forget about there being polar bears on the Island, but you know, this scene doesn't really hold up that well in, uh, 2019, you get the CG bear. And then I find the whole process to be very weird. It's like they climb up the tree, they walk over this like magic branch that just, that it's like a there. bridge and they jump down, they drop, you know, it's just, it, it doesn't, it, your suspension of disbelief is kind of drawn away and you're, you're trying to say like, does this actually make sense logically? And, um, so it, it takes away from some of the drama, you know, it is cool when, when Walt stabs the, the bear with the knife. Um, but I, I didn't never really care for that scene. I think there's so many other better scenes in this episode than that one. Right. I kind of agree. I agree with you on the look of the scene. But I, I did like the the whole connection between the polar bear attacking and the comic book, and I think having you know Michael burn the comic book that that Locke, that Walt was reading with the polar bear, then having the polar bear show up, and then having the whole bird scene later when Walt was reading about the birds, I think having those two things together, you know, definitely kind of makes you wonder what's going on with Walt here. I thought the the comic book added a lot to that. Yeah, I, I think all the connections, um, and even in the connections to what this means for these characters to team up, you know, Locke and Michael, um, I think all that is good. It's just like the actual scene itself is is not like that great, but it's it's okay. It's not like it's horrible. It's just not that entertaining for like this action piece at the end of an episode. It's you know, right. it's not the most exciting. It's it, it was a typical, you know, son's in trouble. Son, son and dad have been fighting. Let's send the dad in to do some heroic act to get the son to really look look at him differently. Kind of a scene. It didn't feel like it, it didn't feel to me. It didn't feel at any moment that that Walt or Michael was actually in trouble. I mean, I, I and that's then that that's how I look at things. It didn't it didn't feel like there was anybody either one of them were in trouble. So. All right. Well, we can move on then, uh, if that's it, into um, our 15, 16 seconds on our overall thoughts of the episode. So, Stephen, why don't you start us off? Give us your overall thoughts on this episode. I really like this episode. Um, I think mostly, I think that Lost is at its best when it's 
really making you think and you know you know creating those questions that you just don't get have answers to and um i think the the walt backstory really did that this episode more than the stuff on the island you know there was some some good stuff on the island too but i, I think that uh i really just walt and the, the scene with the the bird i mean really just sends your sends your mind racing so i i really enjoyed this episode all right Corey, what about you i think this is a i think this is a good episode that gives us some good drama between Locke and Michael and Walt. And it does a good job of explaining and exploring the history of, of Michael and Walt and, and, and diving into like who, who these characters are and like where some of their emotions are coming from. Um, but you know, some of the scenes are, are hit or miss. There's some really good scenes like the scene with the bird with, with Walt. Um, and then there's some, scenes they're not as great like with the polar bear that I, I wasn't as crazy about but overall i think it's just a solid good episode uh for me this movie kind of oh, this movie this episode kind of uh runs right there kind of in the middle uh it's not it's not like oh i have to see this movie again or <laughs> i keep saying movie this episode again or it's not you know this this episode is absolutely terrible i never want to see it again it's just kind of right there in the middle i mean it, it's 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 good for me it had some good scenes i enjoyed the flashbacks i think more than what was going on on the island i enjoyed being able that the writer the way the writers allowed you to hate michael but also empathize with michael at the same time uh, that it's very, very, very good. Um, so that's my overall thoughts of the episode. Um, as far as our rating system, out of twenty-three, we're gonna do one out of twenty-three birds flying into windows. Is our rating system for this time? So uh, excellent. What, what are the other birds doing? They're, they're waiting and saying I'll stand by. <laughs> because. Kind of going along with my overall thoughts, uh, I give this episode 14 out of 23 birds flying in the windows. So, what about you, Corey? All right. I give mine, uh, my rating, 17 out of 23 birds flying into windows. Wow, I think I'm a little bit higher than you guys. I I was going 21 out of 23 birds (laughs) flying in the windows. We were all across the board on that one. Yeah. Okay, that would be a lot of dead birds. If you... A lot of dead birds. Imagine that sound, like boom, 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 Only boom, the Australian boom, birds, boom. because we have oh. no idea what the Egyptian birds are doing, because school didn't teach it. Birds look like. That's true. <laughs> All right. So, what do we got for some uh, in, in our in our little ending notes here? Our name dictionary and pop culture connections here. All right, guys. Well, every week we give you the new additions to Sawyer's name dictionary and we uh, let you know what uh, nicknames we hear from Sawyer and we have a couple this episode uh, one we have the little limey runt am I saying that right yeah, yeah. little limey little limey runt uh, which is for Charlie uh, I forgot about that one but I think runt you know that that's that's probably a fitting description for Charlie at, at, at some period. I think that that's what Sawyer said was in Claire's diary. When, oh, when he was yeah. reading it, when he was insulting her, not assaulting him. So. Oh you know. yeah, he always has he always has good insults for Charlie. Oh yeah. And uh, which is you know why he gets punched in the arm, and then 
he calls uh, Claire, even he refers to her as Missy Claire. And our pop culture references or pop culture connections are the Green, Green, Lantern, Green Lantern and Flash, the comic book read by Walt and burned by Michael is uh, Green Lantern slash Flash, Faster Friends number one from 1997. In Spanish. And as we saw earlier, <laughs> it's in Spanish, yes. I thought it was in French. No, it's it's in Spanish. Okay, it's, for some reason, it, I thought yeah. I, I mentioned French earlier. I, I just keep thinking fr- French woman. Well, Shannon well Michael Michael French. said it was in Spanish. And, I don't know if he was right or not, but Michael said it was in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he uh, Walt is trying to read some of it, and it sounds like Spanish. And actually, um, little tease: we eventually find out where that comic book came from. We much did. later. Oh, much later. All right, and our next episode is going to be Homecoming, a Charlie-centric episode. I actually like that episode, so I cannot wait um, to see the episode and and all the stuff that comes out of one's gut involving that episode. So, all right. Well, in closing, hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, You can follow us more on on Twitter at RetroZapped, which is the main... Uh, the main network at Lost Rewatch Pod, which is this one. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook if you follow those. You can find me on Twitter at the DC Fanboy. You can find uh, Stephen Ware at Lucky Thirteen Steve on Twitter. All right, and Corey, what about you? You can find me on Twitter at Original Mav. Right, and you can go to retrosapp.com for more details on what it, on uh, our T Public Store post articles, podcast uh, links to Discord, and um, anything that that bodes your fandom. So keep that in mind as well. If that is it for this episode, we're gonna. This is your warning. We are gonna go into our spoiler zone now. So if you don't want to be spoiled, turn off now. We'll see you next time when we talk about homecoming so we're going to go ahead and enter into our spoiler zone go who wants to go first on this one well, i'll start off here to, to me um one of the biggest things was just how much walt's aging is going to affect this show I mean, I, I really feel like that was one of the, you know, the the big kind of, we didn't get have a lot of unanswered questions at the end of Lost, but to me, what were Walt's, the fact that Walt kind of had to be written out of the show really left a lot of unanswered questions. Darn, yeah. and having to, you know, get a deeper I mean, shouldn't they, shouldn't they have seen that one coming, <laughs> yeah. though? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, well, obviously, I mean, he's he's like ten well, years at old. The same, they, at the same should've... time, though, they didn't expect the show to ever get picked up, really, for, as a series. I mean, they wrote it just to try to get the pilot out there. I mean, they had to lie about that to even get that. Well, production. you know, it is funny how the TV landscape has changed. I've been watching a new show on HBO, His Dark Materials, and uh, you know, the gold, based on the Golden Compass books. And I read that they've already filmed two or three seasons because they have, you know early teenage characters and they know how much they're going to age so now they've kind of kind of planned that into their their filming which uh is encouraging for the future not smart not so it's a little late to to help walt but 
Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think with Walt, and, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with this. There, there used to be a lot of, of criticism about this. I think maybe they're just, they're throwing out an idea. You know, they're kind of planting a seed of like, hey, maybe there's something weird with his, he might have some sort of powers. He might have something strange about him. And, you know, we'll figure out what to do with it later. And I think a lot of shows do that. And there's nothing, I mean, that's a good thing to do is, is you write something that's mysterious and interesting and you maybe you have an idea of how you're going to deal with it later but you don't totally know what you're going to do and then you know it just didn't really work out to utilize him in um in a great way and so it was kind of just dropped and then you know it is brought up a couple times you see walt like in season three he appears to lock and then he comes back you know eventually for some small cameos uh, but yeah, I don't know if there really was. I mean, you know, my theory is that there was not a deep plan. You know, this might have been one of those things where J.J. Abrams had this idea, but obviously he left the show, and they hadn't really developed it much. Right. Yeah, I I know. Of course, we're gonna get we're gonna get more answers on Walt. I don't know if any of y'all have ever watched the epilogue that was on the extras track. Um, where, where Hurley went and yeah. picked up Walt and took him back to the island because he, he, he had to be he, he had to go back to the island. That's why I really think that we could possibly be getting a sequel show, and I almost think it's going to happen at the ten year announcement here uh, next next year. I mean, in twenty twenty is ten years since the show aired. It would be perfect time to to me bring Hurley and you know the the uh, the character I can't remember his name now the character who played Walt back now as an adult and now they're on the island yeah i mean that that would be great doing, doing something whatever they're doing yeah i think i think uh you know that could definitely that would get plenty of buzz people would pay attention to it because there's not a lot of shows that get the amount of viewers that lost used to get and right. they would at least they would at least get people's attention for you know enough time to prove themselves uh but we, we would definitely cover it if it gave a new show come out. That that'd be we we would be previous on loss and yeah. currently on loss. <laughs> That's right. That, there, so so I'm I think sorry. so. There there was also one other little uh, little scene that we did get of, of Walt in the future. Um, it, remember the the missing pieces little webisodes that they aired between seasons. Um, they did have a little scene of Walt in room 23 where uh, basically Juliet yeah. was telling Ben that hey check you know check out what's going on outside of his room and you know it's just a pile of dead birds so apparently uh, yeah I remember that one oh that was that was uh, Walt predicting what our rating uh, <laughs> system was going to be that's right he knew it. He knew it all those years back. You know, these two guys are gonna get on there and try to podcast about me. I'm gonna kill all these birds right here. <laughs> you know, I will say, if if you're listening and you've never watched these webisodes, I don't know where you find them. I know they're. I think they're on the DVDs. Probably. I think it's the season three DVDs, but they they might be on YouTube or something. Those are really fun, and I right. I remember watching those on. This is like pre YouTube. This is where you know, or maybe maybe YouTube is around, but. 
I don't know. This is where every single website had its own special player. And I remember watching these <laughs> and it would take forever to load. Well, they, <laughs> it was great. The, there's some really well done little websites. Yeah, the, like good, the good thing is there was kind long. of a mix. There, you actually learned a little. There was a few serious ones that kind of helped the story. Then there were some that were just fun. You know, the one with Frogert and Hurley. Um, she, she got You got some laughs and, oh, yeah, you, yeah. and you learned a little bit more about the story. They, they were called Lost Missing Pieces. And, That's right. And, and they are on they are on YouTube. There's about they're they're like 30 minutes long for for like all of them, or just just about 30 minutes for all of them together. So. Yeah, I think they're all like three minutes. Right. So there's probably 10 of them. I think. And of course, you had the the epilogue, the new man in charge. That's like 12 minutes long. But yeah, I remember I watched when I watched when I would watch Lost. I'd watch them DVD only, and then I'd watch like all the extras again. You know, to watch the bloopers and to watch you know the 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 commentators and the actors i love the extras <laughs> the show um so that was always uh, pretty interesting to me okay so one thing i wanted to bring up is i couldn't help but think about um shannon and anna lucia when when claire walks out of the jungle and uh he's got the knife there <laughs> and he sees his figure i just it just reminded me of when uh, Anna Lucia shoots Shannon. Just and I just think like if only Anna Lucia had this type of restraint that Locke had there. Because I mean, Locke could have thrown his knife in there, you know, like oh, there's somebody there. Mm-hmm. And of course, he doesn't. Now we're, 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 we're not talking about the one true the, the the one time Michael pulls the trigger and kills his you know kills Hurley's one true love of Libby. Oh poor Libby. Oh no, yeah, that was even worse. That was like a gut punch moment in the show. I mean, that was like, whoa, because you don't, you didn't see it coming. You're like, oh, he just killed Libby. <laughs> yeah, that is a one of a kind twist because nobody saw that coming, and Heck no, you can't really replicate that either. No, no. So, I I think the other thing we we haven't spoken about is is like Michael getting hit by the car and the blood disorder and whether these are forces of the island i i think michael getting hit by the car was because you saw jacob interfering a lot with with people in the past to make sure that they got on that plane but i don't know about susan's blood disorder that that to me that yeah. that was the, i don't know if her blood disorder was so key in getting michael and walt to the island i almost feel like you know Jacob or the island had to be behind it somehow. It was just, I mean, because that's directly what led to them getting to the island. But does but does Jacob have that kind of power, or did Jacob just have the power to kind of manipulate things in the, in a way or people in a way to get them to do what he wants? Well, that's that's the big question, you know. And when, when Locke fell out of the window and he touches him, and then he wakes up. I mean, you know, we we never really learn for sure. I don't think, you know, all of Jacob's powers or whether it's just the island and, you know, how the island won't let Michael kill himself later. I mean, we never really learn how all these forces work. So, I mean, I just, I personally feel like there's got to be something behind that blood disorder of Susan. And she deserves it for what she did. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I'm very anti-Susan Porter. You know, I think this is my personal theory. I feel like you have Jacob who has powers that are not 
completely clear, but we know roughly what he can do. Um, and we, we see him specifically do a lot of things. And then you also have kind of this larger like essence of the island that does, you know, some of the more obscure things and, and, there, you know, you can say, oh, it's destiny or, you know, there's some sort of guiding force and, and the law and the, uh, the island can, can have some sort of influence. And, you know, a lot of characters refer to this. And I think Jacob even kind of refers to the, the power of the island. So, and I like that it's left ambiguous because some of this stuff, you can't explain, you know, every little tiny detail. And I like the way that lo- that the lost the show did not explain every question that the, that that people have. I think because up until then, like almost every TV show, they would give you the answers that that you're looking for. This was the first show that said, you know what, we're gonna let you, we're gonna leave you with unanswered questions that you start guessing, and talk about it and keep talking about it. The only show that there there's been one other show that so far has tried to replicate Lost. Um. I got about four episodes in, and I just couldn't keep with it. I really need to go back and rewatch it. I may try next summer. But it's the current show that just got picked up again from another season called Manifest. Like, the plane disappears, and it comes back years later, and nobody knows where it went, what happened, and that kind of thing. I actually um, really enjoy that show. I mean, it, it definitely start, it started, really? you know... You, you kind of watch it because of the plane crash, thinking it could be by loss. But I, I think it did a good job of kind of becoming its own thing. But yeah, definitely a lot of, a lot of mystery there. I, I enjoy it. Looking forward to it coming back. I may have to give it a shot then. I think it comes back in January or February. Pretty good show. All right. Well, anything else before we close out this episode? One thing I thought was kind of interesting. Um, was, you know, we learn, we start talking about the Black Rock now, and obviously that's going to play a big role later in the show. But I, I do think it's kind of interesting. Claire was dreaming about the Black Rock, and as far as I can tell, the Black Rock really didn't have anything to do with anything going on in this episode. You know, like her, her getting kidnapped. You know, was it really Black Rock related? Her getting rescued was it Black Rock related? So, you know, I think it kind of just introduced this concept of the Black Rock. But I, I was kind of curious why Claire was dreaming about the Black Rock. That's a good question. I don't, I don't know if this is the right answer, but I know that Rousseau um, is the one who saves her, as we find out later. You know, is it? Well, no, she would have not been dreaming about that beforehand. So, never mind that. Yeah, that is, it's a good point. Why? And and maybe she was drugged up in the island, in all its mysterious ways, made her dream. About I think these we, things. yeah, I think we chalked that up to another <laughs> mysterious island dream. I mean, Locke yeah. gets visions. Many characters. Yeah, the exactly. Boone, Boone stuck pasty crap in his head, and he had a vision. So, who knows? Yeah, Locke probably put some of that in her tea or something. <laughs> I, I do think we may have made a mistake by talking about this whole episode and not mentioning the Dharma logo on the uh, ceiling of Susan and Brian's house. That's kind of an iconic scene of, you know, looking up at Michael, looking yeah. at the letters with the octagon above his head. You know, not not really a Dharma logo, but Dharma-shaped logo. You know, not sure if there was if they knew about Dharma at the time they did that or if they'd made those decisions yet. I don't know if they ever said. 
Mm. Yeah, maybe they're the lawyers for for Dharma. <laughs> Kyle highlight Kyle kind of kind of highlight one of the biggest ongoing theories is that you know Bernard and Rose were really Dharma workers that were plants. <laughs> <laughs> and so the whole time, of, cor- of course, they're like the only two that don't ever work for Dharma. <laughs> That's right, and I think. And I think, and, and I think the show's creators like, like, like knew that. That's like they knew that. Like everybody's theory was that Rose and Bernard worked for Dharma, so they're like, you know what? We're not gonna let them work for Dharma, just, just to irritate the just to irritate everybody. So, all right. Well, if that's it, then uh, then we can go ahead and head off the island for just a little bit, and uh, we'll be back next time to talk about Homecoming, which is a Charlie-centric episode, a pretty good episode. And uh, but until next time, I'm Mike. That's Corey. That's Steven. And uh, we'll see you back on the island soon. Peace out, everybody. Bye. Peace out.